out the corner of my eye, I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. She said, I never seen a man. Hour two of the WRSU crew. Monday summer edition. Eddie Kalegi here at the College Ave Studios with David Palumbo and Dennis Geisler. Lots more to get to here in the second hour. Hour one, we talked Rutgers women's soccer at Allison Lowry. Join us. Uh, reminder, if you missed that interview, all episodes of the crew are available on Spotify after the fact. Just search WRSU crew on Spotify and you can check that interview out. But let's talk about men's soccer. They start their season this week. Two games on the road in Nebraska against Omaha and Creighton. Uh, Jim McKeldry, head coach, talked with the media today ahead of those two games, and uh, we'll be playing that for you now. So here is head coach Jim McKeldry. Thank you. Hello, coach. How are you? How you doing, Glenn? Good. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Myers, the, uh, the transfer forward, and I see he's on this uh, Big Ten list, which you know, for you, I'm sure you don't look at that and other than, okay. But uh, you started him in that last uh, match against Villanova, the preseason, and I wonder if you could kind of describe how he became a member at uh, of the Rutgers team and uh, some of his qualities. Yeah, uh, so MD spent a couple of years at High Point down in North Carolina, but he's a New Jersey native and played for the Philly Union as a youth player. So when uh, you know he decided to transfer and went on the portal, he was a guy we reached out to right away just to kind of get an idea of what he was interested in and what he was looking for. And, and for him, it was all about uh, training environment and you know where he can be part of something uh, while also getting better and increasing his chances to – uh, continue to play after his college career is over. So, uh, you know, he visited with his family and, um, you know, thought this could be a place where he could get better. So uh, he came to us in January, was with us all spring. Uh, really impressed with MD, not only as a as a player, but as a, a guy who is incredibly serious about his training, uh, trains a ton on his own, does everything that we ask him to do in terms of addition to additional training to just our team training. Um, so he's really become a leader in the group in terms of setting the standard. And, and as a player, he's a, he's a forward. He's a target-type forward. Um, he's good with his back-to-goal. He works incredibly hard during, during the game, both defensively, but also you know, getting into the box and getting into scoring positions. He makes good decisions on the ball. Uh, uh, you know, I've been really impressed with him as a, as a person. So he's been a welcomed addition to our group. I think he brings something that we – you haven't had a lot of over the last couple of years, a true kind of center forward. We've had good attacking players, but it always seemed to be somebody that maybe we were playing out of position to play up there. So he's been, uh, he's been a great addition to our group and played all our spring games. So uh, even though he's new to our fall uh, lineup, uh, really feels like he's been here for a while with our group. So um, he's fit in really well. Looking forward to him being part of this, this team for 2022. So when you saw his name in the portal, you were aware of who he was? Yeah, but more so as a youth player. I mean, he had a good career at, at high point. But, you know, as you as you know, Glenn, it's like you recruit and you're around the game so much that, that all these names uh, are familiar to you. So, you know, he was part of a really strong Philly Union team. Um, and I think maybe that was something um, that changed, you know, his kind of pathway or maybe his recruiting. I mean, there were so many good players. So, um, you know, they all were getting recruited. So uh, we knew of them. And uh, and also he had scored goals at high points. So it wasn't difficult to uh, to look him up and, and see how successful he had been over the last uh, two, three years. How many years of eligibility does he have? Is it just the one or two? He has two years of eligibility, but he'll graduate um, from Rutgers this, you know, spring, summer. So, a lot will depend on what he wants to do, if he wants to come back. Uh, and like many of our players, we've said to them, hey, come here, uh, live in the moment, uh, enjoy being on this team in the fall, and let's revisit uh, your situation, whatever their individual situation is at the end of the season, and see what they want to do. Uh, but he uh, officially has you know, two years of eligibility. Cool. Thanks, Ben. Okay, go ahead, Dominic. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm good, Dom. How you doing? 
Good, good. Uh, just to jump off of what Glenn said, uh, another guy who was on the Big Ten players to watch list is Matthew Acosta, who you started for every game as a freshman last year in the midfield. Where have you seen him develop in the offseason between freshman and sophomore year now? You know, he's somebody who came in and, and had a great youth career at Red Bulls and played for their professional team as well. So last year, his preseason was almost like midseason. So it was very easy for him to come in and, and be a, a really important player for us. You know, where I've, I'm pushing Maddie is to have a bigger role even in the leadership category. You know, he's somebody who's very good technically. He can pass a ball. He's played in all types of big games, so there isn't a game that he you know, isn't prepared for. But the next step for him is can he be a leader? Can he do the things that we need him to do as an individual? But also, as I talk to him about and a lot of our players, can he make guys around you better? And can you be someone that guys want to play with? He's an excellent player. He's going to play a lot for us this year, but he can even do more. And I think he's somebody that has that in him, whether it's, chipping in with a goal here and there, or it's just being a guy that motivates others around him. So he's got a bright future. He's a real uh, footballer, I would say, somebody who can really pass a ball. And, and maybe his best quality is, no matter how important the game is or how heated the game is, he can really just play his game. So um, high hopes for him again this year. Go ahead, Eddie. Hey, Coach, Eddie Kalegi, you know, now looking ahead to the beginning of the Back here on the WR uh, Subway Series just got started. So uh, that game started, and it's already getting a little heated. So Domingo Herman hit the leadoff batter, Brandon Nimmo. Now the New York Mets have been hit more than any other team so far this season, um, which was interesting. And then the very next inning, Max Scherzer followed it up by uh, clipping uh, Andrew Benintendi on the leg. So the leadoff batter for both teams hit, you know, the Yankees and Mets had some bad blood last year when in the game when Lindor hit three home runs and him and Stanton were yelling at each other. And both these teams, of course, are very, very good. So kind of interesting to see, you know, something like that happening. Yeah, I uh, I would love to see those. I would love to see Scherzer hitting someone at that, uh, not like painfully, but you know, I, yeah. the fighting spirit, the fighting spirit makes me happy. I, I feel not like, like in a painful way. It, it, it would make sense to me if both of them were accidents, um, but it would also be kind of weird at the same time. Like, I don't know. It, it's weird to me. Well, I think the first one was an accident, and then B- Buck Showalter was like, all right, Max, you've got a job to do. And just kinda... <laughs> well, they have been hit. Like, I think they're still first in the whole big leagues for hit-by-pitches on the year. So, I mean, I would be annoyed by that, too, if my players are being hit. I think that's only fair. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Some of it's coincidence. Some yeah, of it, t- I mean, definitely, definitely. If your guy's not injured by it, then you just got a free base. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's tough, you know, because like Max, you know, Max Scherzer is a very passionate guy. So you know, he cares. Travel well, as you said, uh, it's a different type test. So we played two preseason games and an inter squad game all at your sack. So there's a comfort there. Both of these games will be on turf, which is. Uh, we don't play a lot of games on turf, so that's another challenge for us. But uh, I think our guys are up for it, and they're just excited to play. Go ahead, Alexander. Hey, do Coach. Alex Carbonati of WRSU. Great to talk with you again. Um, uh, Ari Briscoe, he's your starting goalie this upcoming season. Freshman last year, made, made the Puerto Rican national team. He'll be a sophomore. He's your main guy. You mentioned last uh the last press conference two weeks ago that uh, Oren Asher is out for the year, has that injury. How has Ari been preparing for this year, especially that he has this new breaking news development? Has that changed the past two weeks now that he knows that he'll be the starting goalkeeper? What's going through his mind as the season is three days away? Yeah, I think he's had a great summer. As you mentioned, he had a chance uh, to go down and train with the, the full Puerto Rican national team. That was exciting for him. And it, it, again, these experiences for these players – um, just make them better. Uh, you know, he goes down there, he's around guys that are, are doing it for a living, most of the players on that team. So 
he was, um, I think he learned a lot about, you know, keeping himself sharp and training habits and all those types of things that, you know, we're pushing with him all the time. But it's always nice to get it reinforced by a national team coach or, or even just your, your peers on the national team. So, uh, you know, Ori's a, a real um, kind of competitive guy. I don't think um, he's worried that much about that he didn't play a lot of games last year for us. He's going to come in and, and work and compete. Uh, we have a good goalkeeping group in general, not just Ori. We have uh, Kieran Dalton came from the Red Bull Academy, uh, who's an excellent um, freshman as well. And, and, and Dylan is another goalkeeper we brought in from, from Texas. So it's a really good group of, of players. Um, in terms of how much they push each other in training. But uh, listen, Ori had a great spring for us. I, I think I've said that before a couple of times, that he got a lot of experience in the spring. Um, I think we're very lucky right now. We've got a really good uh, group of goalkeepers, and I think uh, a lot of teams in the country would be happy with our three. For sure, indeed. And quick quick follow-up quickly, um, not just him, but the, the defensive line, players like Cole Sotak and company. How, how can we see all... Uh, how can we see Ari grow very, very quickly in a, in a relationship, not just on the field, but off the field with his, de- with his defensive line, making sure things are intact on both sides, sides of the ball in that category? Yeah, I think we're lucky in that we brought uh, so many players back from last year. So this spring, you know, he had an opportunity to play with uh, Hugo Leguenic, Joey Zielinski, uh, Tommy Divizio, Cole Soltak, all guys that have been on our team. So he has had a lot of minutes with guys that have played a ton and will play a ton for us. So it's a huge advantage for us and for him that it's not um, a situation where we've got three new backs in front of him and, and, you know, he didn't play with any of them and this we've only been around each other for 10 days or two weeks. The other good thing is our guys have been here from mid-July, uh, whether it was taking summer classes, working with our strength coach. So we've had about 20 20 to 25 guys here for over a month before preseason started or just about a month. So I think that's helped our camaraderie and also guys getting to know each other. So that's been a a real positive. I don't think, um, you know, we haven't really missed a beat in terms of going from the spring season uh, to this, this preseason. Don. I got a two parter for you, Jim. Um, First looking back, uh, you wrapped up the spring scrimmage schedule. You had a the exhibition match uh, earlier this month, and you're into game week now. From that point, I guess in I know, January or February to now, getting ready to play the the season opener. Where have you seen this group get better, or develop, or become more cohesive? All of those sorts of things. Yeah, you know, I think we're lucky. We have a a, a mature group coming back. We have a lot of guys that have played uh, a ton of minutes for us. But I still think it was something that we were pushing and, and the guys have done really well in just maturing and, and leadership. I think that was one of the biggest areas. In terms of the, the soccer, you know, they know the style of play we want to play. It's just being more consistent. And I think our preseason games, uh, we've seen that where we're playing for longer periods of time on both sides of the ball with a little bit more detail and making sure that we're not giving away a cheap goal or a bad foul. We still have to get better in certain, in certain areas, but I think the maturity of this group has impressed me so far this preseason. Um, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of guys just put, pushing in the right direction and helping some of the younger guys acclimate. We've got some new guys that are going to be factors for us this year that are going to play. So the older guys are helping, but I really think we've developed almost more uh, in that leadership area and kind of culturally as a group, as opposed to just, Hey, have they gotten better technically? But um, and the depth of our team overall, adding some new players and some of our players improving, uh, a big strength of ours, the depth of this group is going to be, I think it's going to dictate how successful we are this year. Thank you. Well, that was Coach Jim McKeldry talking with the media. Rutgers men's soccer begins their 2022 season this Thursday on the road against the University of Omaha and then play Creighton on Sunday as they begin their non-conference slate of men's soccer team that's finished really middle of the pack in the Big Ten these last couple of years, but trying to take that next step. Jackson Temple 
has been really good. Pablo Avila coming back. The rumor was he was going to depart, but he decided to come on for his extra year and stay with Rutgers for 2022. Dennis, of course, this team hasn't had the consistent success that the women's program has in recent years, but they're definitely on the up and they've got a couple of key players coming back. So where do you see this men's soccer team going in uh, the Big Ten battle? Yeah, I mean, they're certainly an interesting team, and I can't say I have uh, seen as much of them personally. Um, but at the same time, I, I do think that this men's soccer team is kind of on the cusp of uh, competing for uh, the Big Ten, I feel. Um, maybe not, like, very much at the top of the Big Ten, like, kind of the expected winner at the beginning, like the women's soccer team is, but... It, in a conference that's not super elite in soccer, I think that there is a lot of room for the men's soccer team to kind of sneak in. Uh, last year, they kind of got an unfortunate early matchup against uh, Indiana uh, in the Big Ten tournament. But I think that they really do have a chance to, again, qualify for the Big Ten tournament and then maybe even win a game or two in it uh, this upcoming year. So, I don't know. I think we'll have to... We'll have to wait and see a bit. I think those first two games uh, in Omaha are going to be interesting. And then I think past that, I mean, they have a five-game home stretch that I think is going to be very important for this team uh, just to kind of see how they look against a bunch of general uh, out-of-conference opponents and then into conference play. But yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, as with the women's soccer team, I think the big thing for this team is how they'll be able to perform in the postseason. I think they'll be able to make the postseason, which is a big thing, at least for the Big Ten tournament. And, and you just kind of got to see what happens after that. And adding to that, just uh, wasn't really mentioned in the presser. It was hinted at, but uh, the Big Ten, of course, a uh, week before the season, putting out the preseason honors and Three Rutgers players were named as players to watch. Jackson Temple, who I mentioned, Matthew Acosta, and a transfer named M.D. Myers coming from High Point, who had 51 career points, 21 goals, 9 assists with the High Point Panthers over the past three seasons. So he's going to be a nice spark to the offensive attack for this Rutgers team. And uh, they were picked to finish fifth in the conference standings. I think their ceiling is a little above that, but I think fifth is a realistic take for a Rutgers team that's kind of finished in that mid-pack in recent years. Uh, that's not bad. I mean, yeah. that's, no, that's it, it's bad. another improvement. Mm -hmm. Like, year after year, this team's getting better, and I think that's the big thing for this team. Yeah, for sure. So, Rutgers men's soccer starting in just four days. So, uh, of course, we'll have lots of men's soccer coverage here on WRSU once the month of September comes. First men's soccer game. I'm referring to our schedule again. Uh, Princeton. Yes, Princeton. Friday, September 2nd. So a week from this Friday, Christian Vasquez and Alex Carminati have the call. Coverage starts at 645 on Friday, September 2nd. So you can stay tuned for that uh, after this first two-game road trip out to Nebraska to face Omaha and Creighton as Rutgers men's soccer begins 2022. When we come back, Lots to get to. Uh, rapid fire for probably the last 40 minutes because there's a lot of things. I want to talk a little fantasy football. Uh, one of our colleagues tweeted something about Jacob deGrom that me and David aren't too happy about and more. So stay with us here. Eddie Kalegi, David Palumbo, and Dennis Geisler, you're listening to the WRSU crew on 88.7 FM and streaming live at WRSU.org. And he's going to fight about it. Let's remember when he... Uh, kicked like the ambassador from japan off the mound because he was getting in the way of his warm-ups well, well that was no, the mets fault that the, was the mets fault. well Scher yeah scherzer came out first and then the other guy tried to come out and uh do the first pitch and scherzer was already going yeah i don't i mean i don't blame i don't blame Scherzer. he was locked that, in though. he was locked in that's the <laughs> mets fault for sending this guy out bad timing it is definitely the that's mets all. fault <laughs> that's the mets fault but yeah i'm i don't know man i'm excited to to watch the subway series well, we do have some disappointing news. The Mets are losing one nothing. Uh, oh no! That's funny. Yes. Uh, funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, it looks like Yankees got uh, a walk. 
Well, no, no, the, the hit, hit, hit by pitch, the hit by pitch, a yeah, a single, and then Lemayhu did a sack fly. Sack, yeah, sack. I saw DJ was batting cleanup again tonight. So it is, it is one nothing Yankees right now that's in fine. the bottom of the first inning. But let's talk about the game that's happening tomorrow because originally Jacob Degrom was supposed to start, and that got switched around. Taiwan Walker uh, is now the what is now the starting pitcher. And one of our colleagues, Dylan McCoy, shared a screenshot from, like, StatMuse or something um, of a statistic, apparently, that Jacob deGrom has not fared well in his career at Yankee Stadium. Now, he has not pitched at Yankee Stadium in a long time, and it's a graphic that reads, quote, Jacob deGrom has a 1-2 record with an ERA of 6.16 and 18 strikeouts and three appearances against the Yankees on the road in his career, and... McCoy said, "Heard Degrom needs some rest." And then, um, but he was asked if he wanted to come on and talk Subway Series to call in. You know, he was asked, and and he declined. Yeah, but which is which is fair. Yeah, he a, he might not. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, it's okay. But like, yeah, it's okay. I know. But we just wanted a Yankee perspective since Ellis isn't here. Yes, we do not have Ellis. But you know what? I'm actually very glad that Dylan posted this because it creates a talking point. Now, you know, I I don't have it in front of me, but. I can't recall the last time Jacob DeGrom pitched at Yankee Stadium. It's 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 been a while because a lot of times he's been hurt during the Subway Series the last couple of years. A lot of times he's been hurt. Yeah. End of sentence. Yeah. Since about 2018, since he became good. Yes. He, since like, he became the best pitcher yeah. in baseball. The best pitcher yes. on the planet. I guarantee you a lot of that 6.16 is from when he was not the best pitcher in baseball between 2014 and 2017. So... I feel like that's a little bit misleading. Uh, and, you know, here, here's my feeling. Taiwan Walker was scheduled to go on Sunday. He got pushed back. Like I said, I'm actually kind of shocked that he's not on the injured list because of an, a, an inflamed disc in your back seems kind of serious. And also, like... He claimed it was, like, the worst pain he's felt on the mound. That's it's like good. And he's, he's still going to pitch. Also, I, like, he's also a part of the starting rotation. Yeah. So... It's not like, obviously, you want DeGrom back for October completely 100% healthy or 99% healthy. But you also want Walker healthy the rest of the year to finish the year. So if he needs a week off or two weeks, like, that's okay. And Taiwan, and don't think DeGrom is the only injury-prone pitcher on the Mets, too. Taiwan Walker gets hurt a lot. That start where he had the horrible start against uh, Atlanta when he fell awkwardly off the mound. <laughs> that did not look good. He had the injured list stint early in the season when he got hurt in Citizens Bank Park. He went on the IL last year during that awful second half. He got hurt in the first half when he was playing well last year, too. I think he was on the injured list twice. So, he's had five injuries that I can think of, and there's probably been one or two other little blips here and there, and that's in a year and a half since he's joined the Mets. So, I don't know. It's it's weird that he's being rushed back in this situation, but at the same time, I think it's good. It's not because the Mets are trying to dodge Jacob DeGrom from the Yankees necessarily. Okay, it's because... so DeGrom's three starts at Yankee Stadium. The first is in 2015, five innings, six earned runs. Uh, the second was in 2017, seven and one-third innings, five earned runs. And then the most recent was in 2018. That was the one win, six and two-thirds innings, two earned runs. Okay, so thank you for those stats, Dennis. And that yeah, no problem. Stat, th- that helps. Stat, fat check. Yes, and that helps. Uh, you lead me to my point because two of those three came before 2018, when he still had long hair and he was just a solid starting pitcher, not the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, the the one since then was very very good, and even the one in 2017, he gave up five runs, but he went into the eighth inning, so I, it wasn't terrible. So. Really, only the first one, all the way back in 2015, was all that bad. So, I would not be saying, you know, he's being dodged because of that. I think it's rather, you know, give him an extra day of rest. They feel like confident that Taiwan Walker is healthy. And Taiwan Walker, aside from a bad first inning, pitched well against the Yankees only a month ago. So, I think Buck Showalter feels, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Go with the same, you know, two starters you had in the last time these two teams met in the Subway Series. Because last month it was Walker and Scherzer. This time it's going to be Scherzer and Walker. And we were talking about it a little off the air. Jacob deGrom, you know, you want to keep him healthy for October. And in some ways it might be better to have him pitch against the Colorado Rockies. And give him an easier time than having to worry about Judge and Rizzo. And as much as a Met, a Met fan would love to see Jacob deGrom striking out Aaron Judge, it's much more important to kind of baby him because we know how injury-prone he is 
and keep him available so you can trust that he's going to be there in October when he's got to face Juan Soto and Acuna and the Dodgers and any of those other teams. So starting him against the Rockies and pushing him back a day is not some conspiracy theory that the Yank the Mets just don't want him to have to pitch against the rivals. It is pretty funny, though. It is. It is. But let's not forget... There are teams that have done this to the Mets this year. Noah Syndergaard has dodged the Mets twice. Twice, on two different teams. Marcus Stroman dodged the Mets once. So, you know. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, the Syndergaard thing still baffles me. And there was no injury involved with Noah Syndergaard. Exactly. Just... I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand at all how it happened twice. Yeah. Stroman at least was dealing with some sort of arm issue, so they decide, okay, we're not going to rush him. We'll give him the extra mm. rest. Noah Syndergaard was completely healthy. He was coming off of a solid start. And all of a sudden, nah, he's not going to pitch against the Mets, even though the Phillies are playing for a playoff spot. Now we're going to have this random kid named Falter pitch for them. You know, <laughs> I know I don't miss Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> he's a character, but he is. I, I still loved when he uh, stole the Philly Fanatics cart that time and he was riding it around Citizens Bank Park. But it's pretty funny. And now they're teammates together. Now he and the Philly fanatic can go for joy rides <laughs> in that car. Yeah, both of them playing for the team. <laughs> you know what I meant. <laughs> I've seen Blooper, the Braves mascot, on Twitter a lot, like going back and forth with Frank the Tank. They're they've been beefing a little. Blooper is fighting with Frank the Tank. Oh yeah, I mean you know how, you know how Frank can get. Well, know you how, know how Frank can get. Well, but I know Frank the Tank can so be a little erratic. He makes at times, like his but. Mets minute videos, yeah. like react. Not, I mean, I don't know if you're gonna say reacting, but he's just. <laughs> Uh, reaction to like a win or a loss. You know, normally they're all all negative, but you know he's been calling out Blooper, like in the last couple ones in the Braves series. He was getting annoyed at him. So some of these mascots can do it to you. I still love how every single time the Mets have like give up a run, Frank the Tank has World to say ending. the season is over. <laughs> Season's over. Well, I mean, there were t- there were when they lost the first game against Atlanta. Like, it's easy to think really negative, even yeah. for me. Especially when they lost their starting pitcher to injury too, and, and then it happened the very next day. Yeah, too. It, it it is hard to be positive when stuff like that happens. Yeah, but you it know, does feel like it is the, the same Met. old Mets. It is the Mets. So it feels st- like same old Mets. St- stuff like that is going to happen. Yeah, it's just they're not going to bat out of order anymore because Buck Showalter <laughs> is here and not Mickey Calloway. But We'll leave it Callaway. at that. Let me let me just check and make sure Max Scherzer is not giving up any other runs. Hopefully it was just the one. It was just the one. All the right. Mets are back up, but they haven't done anything yet. Boom. Wow. On it. So, and I see... You know video. who's not on it? Yeah. Master Pequa Little League. I know. Shout out Alex, but they're out, buddy. I'm so sad. Master Pequa is They out. were in yeah. this morning. But now I didn't they're think out. About that, I didn't realize. <laughs> oh no, we I was supporting because of Alex. You know, that's my guy. <laughs> that makes sense. I know. Like, I you would too if you knew. It. Yes. Yeah. yeah no, you could have. You could have supported Rutgers on both channels today because Massapequa was playing on ESPN and Todd Frazier was the analyst on ESPN too for <laughs> Nicaragua and Japan. Oh so, yeah, because they've had so many delays. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy today. Like one at one point, the rain was happening at one of the stadiums and not the other. So they had one of the games still going on and one wasn't. Then they had to stop the second game. And and then Todd Frazier was getting all mad on the broadcast. He was like, it's a beautiful day. Let these kids play. And now it's like a downpour. Let it's the like- kids play. Let the kids play. Trevor Lawrence, let the kids play. That's what I like to see. But Mastic Pequa will not get the opportunity Sad. to play. For the we, next we, six were, we were rooting for them. Yeah, I wanted to see I wanted to see how far they could go. Of course. They were co- technically, I mean, they were coming from the region. They were coming from the metro region, which is New Jersey's region. So technically they were our team. Yep, yep, yep. They, lost the to- they beat Tom's River in well, Fairfield, me, Connecticut to get in. Okay. Well, oh yeah. Okay. There oh. is a Virginia team, I think. They, Virginia always gets Blacksburg? in. Blacksburg? Uh, is it Blacksburg? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's just. I just know it's Virginia. It's one of my favorite areas in the country. Let me see. It's not mine. Oh, they're from Tennessee this year. Oh, Tennessee beat the Virginia team? Yeah. Knoxville? Uh, Nolansville. I don't know where that is. Close enough. It's not (laughs) Knoxville. There's nothing in Knoxville. I have been there. There's nothing there. Besides University of Tennessee? Including the University of Tennessee. (laughs) It counts as nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Might as well just ignore the whole thing, yeah. (laughs) But Oh, Nolansville's right outside of Nashville. That makes sense, I suppose. I was watching some of the Little League Classic tonight because the or- last night the Orioles Red were playing. Sox, yeah, mm, Orioles Red Sox. Yeah. Schreiber blew it in the eighth inning. The Orioles keep winning. I really want to see the Baltimore Orioles in the playoffs. They go crazy. Yeah. Yes. Mets Orioles World Series rematch of 1969. I, I I'd go with that. That'd be pretty funny. S- Spencer Watkins against Jacob Degrom in Game One of the World Series. 
That's if he's healthy. Okay. Max Scherzer against Spencer Watkins in game one of the I mean, I'll take, I'll take either. I'll take either. I'll take either. I'm excited to see the, the Cubs and the Orioles in the World Series. Okay. In four, in four years, maybe. <laughs> nope. In, right fi- in six years, maybe. Nope, right now. Orioles, Cubs, Diamondbacks, Mets are going to be the best teams in the league in six years. I don't think the Diamondbacks. I'm, I'm not the Diamondbacks, but the Orioles are going to be – Orioles I are good right now, and they're, they're going to get better. Yeah, or, Mariners – I, I kind of said that as a joke. I just want to see if Baltimore like spends any money to get a free agent because their biggest no. free agent signing over the last three years is Jose Iglesias. So I, they haven't really done much. Still not as bad as Oakland. I just saw the A's yeah. highest paid player is Chad Pinder, who's it's making what? $2 million a yeah, year. Yeah, just over $2 million. That's insane. <laughs> they <laughs> that have is... three players making over a million, I think. <laughs> I, uh, that's insane. But Can we talk about how the Braves have locked up everyone on their team? I know. For Michael, the next Mike, eight Mike, years. Michael for... Harris just comes up from double A. It's easy Ugh. if you have a bunch of money and then also everybody takes like significant discounts to yeah, sign with your team. Yeah, <laughs> if they choose to do that and, and, and stick with and the team. And also service time manipulation. Yeah. I <laughs> Some mean... of these guys, like, wow, they've got um William Contreras through like 28. And it's like, yeah, because service time. That's <laughs> that's how crazy service time is in the MLB. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> they could, they'll probably sign Vaughn Grisham to like a 12-year No, deal, 100%. <laughs> He's been he's still been good. I know. This I remember the co- week after they called him up, we're like, oh yeah, he's hitting four hundred. He's he's still hit great. Like they that's the one thing that the Mets the Mets farm system is good and Brett Beatty has been nice since he got called up, and I think Vientos and Alvarez will as well eventually once they get the opportunity. But Mauricio's been bad this year. Yeah. The fact that the Braves can have lose can just lose both of their second basemen they lose albies they lose arcia they just call up this kid from double a and he's hits a home run and steals a base in his first game and he's just consistently hitting michael harris michael who was, he was a decent prospect but he was in the double a and then he just gets called up and you know he's awesome yes like i mean atlanta is just the top to bottom, that whole roster, aside from Ozuna from the Braves, are like really, really, really good. So you know they they have a nice team all around, and the fact that they can, you know, <laughs> besides with, Ozuna from the Braves, sorry, yeah, that, that took a second. Yeah, no, but <laughs> keep going. <laughs> but they can they can withstand injuries, and uh, last year proved it. They lost arguably their best starting pitcher to the Achilles injury, and they lost Ronald Acuna Jr. halfway through the year, and they won the World Series. Yet, when the Mets have injuries, they've got to call up Devin Marrero and Jose Buto, and uh, <laughs> Jose you know, Booty. Not, not, not knocking on those guys. They get the opportunity in the majors, but, you know... They, Better they're, than us. They're, yeah, they're not Michael Harris and Vaughn Gresham, and that's... That's one of the things that sets the Braves apart from the Mets, and that's one of the challenges and why this division is so tough. The fact that the Mets can just be so good this year, but the Braves are just right with them. And they're going to be good for the next, I mean, they have their whole lineup five for plus like years. six years. So. Yeah. And they're going to be really good. I don't know what they're going to do when Albies comes back, because apparently he's going to come back September sometime. But something else with the Mets I wanted to talk about, you know, we talk, I was just mentioning it, you know, they kind of have to, they don't have the same you know, farm system where they can call up these kinds of guys. Then they call up this guy who was a financial employee last year named Nate Fisher, who throws three scoreless innings and then shout the, out Nate Fisher. Yeah. And then the Mets decided to just DFA him today. Bye bye Nate Fisher. I don't understand this strategy. I know you want to have fresh arms in the bullpen. I know yesterday's game was kind of crazy with the stops and starts and Buto having the start, but <laughs> Why you don't have a reliable lefty reliever for the most part on this team? Jason Shreve was the lefty reliever for the first couple months, and then he was terrible in June, and he's gone. This this guy makes his major league debut, goes three scoreless innings against a Phillies offense that's very good, and he just gets automatically DFA'd. And some people are making the argument on Twitter: it's fine, he'll just pass through waivers and get outrighted. I don't know about that. I think a lot of teams are going to be pretty impressed when all of a sudden they see that this this guy just comes up and goes from working in a financial office to uh, th- going three scoreless innings, allowing two base runners against the Philadelphia Phillies. So I-, I don't understand it. The Mets have had so many roster moves over the last couple of weeks because they'll have a guy come out of the bullpen, he'll pitch two or three innings, and then they'll just DFA him and he's off the roster. They've had so many different relievers over the last like two, three weeks in it. Doesn't make sense, and Fisher kind of filled a hole. And for a team whose bullpen, I unfortunately still think will be their shortcoming to going on a long-term run in the postseason this year, 
when you find guys, you know, something shocking like that, like how the Braves have found a Harris and a Grissom, they stay on the roster, even though the Braves have other outfielders like Acuna, like Ozuna from the Braves. You know, they 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 kept Michael Harris, and I think Gresham's proven that he's going to be staying there as well. Uh, on the roster, I mean, Albies is going to become the starting second baseman again, but they, Gresham's not going back to the minors. Nate Fisher pitches so well in his first start, uh, first appearance. I don't get why he gets sent back down. And I just went on way too long of a tangent okay. about that. But, you well, know, what? I had to vent because I like Nate Fisher. You like Nate Fisher. But they also, their bullpen is just bad. Yeah. And their starters have gotten hurt. So that's caused the. They've had to just stretch things in their bullpen lately. And Diaz hasn't been as sharp, too. So, yeah, I agree with you that their bullpen's probably going to be. I mean, it, it is the weak spot of the team as of now. And, and the starters because Carrasco's out for the next couple of weeks. And then. I don't know if Walker's actually completely healthy. I feel like they've kind of done Will Ponian stuff in the past couple of weeks yeah. with the whole not calling up Beatty right away and then waiting to put Escobar on the IL even yeah, though he yeah. was hurt. So stuff like that, like that could be the same thing with Walker. It could be announced in a week from now, oh, he's done for the year. Because I feel like that's the type of thing that they've done in the last couple of weeks where they haven't been completely transparent with the fan base too. And I, I mean, DeGrom starting Thursday or Friday. Like I'm sure he's fine, but... Oh, I don't know. And also, how do the New York Mets have so many guys strain their obliques? I mean, you hear about those injuries on occasion across baseball. But Marte had an oblique injury earlier this year. Guillaume's had an oblique injury. Scherzer, Carrasco, Drew Smith, that's already five, and Nagosik. Six players on the Mets have had an oblique strain this season. Like, I mean, sometimes <laughs> you get your oblique strained. There's nothing weird about it. <laughs> But it's just these weird injuries that the Mets always have, and stuff like that still doesn't go Also, away. DeGrom's injuries are always weird, because well, yeah. it's like, oh, he had an MRI, nothing came back positive, but he's done for the year. Well, remember the whole injury in the <laughs> spring was nothing to do with his arm and like his muscles, which is always the problem. It was he had a bone issue and something called a scapula. Oh, a scapula. Yeah. Everyone was Googling it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember. And I was like, oh, it was from swinging a bat, people he got hurt. It was like, it's just ridiculous things. And then he does all this. There's always videos of him in the outfield fooling around like he doesn't even care. Yeah. So I I don't know, man. I I'm I I this is this is the year though. Yeah. This is the year. They have to, they ha- I have they have the pieces. Diaz is never going to be this good again. And they have Scherzer and DeGrom. If they can stay healthy, they have they have what it takes. They've got they got it. They've got to finish the job. Yeah, and the other thing too, we don't know how long Scherzer is going to be this dominant. I, yeah, that's true. He's too. almost forty. He's thirty eight years he's, old. He's having an awesome. Year. He's having an amazing year. Awesome. And I honestly think, in some ways, the injury in May was good because that didn't have to have him pitch the whole year, and they survived that six weeks without him. And now he's going to be a little yeah. better rested heading into the postseason. But he's been great. It's one nothing right now in the first Subway Series game heading to the top of the third. Domingo Herman against Max Scherzer. The one run for the Yankees coming on a DJ LeMahieu sack fly. But let's shift to the NFL because, Dennis, you, you said we, we might as well talk about it because obviously we hyped up the WRSU Daily Targum basketball game, which I performed terribly in a lot. And we do have a little WRSU event of sorts coming next week because uh, there is a fantasy football league coming together and uh, we're going to be drafting next week, I believe. Yeah, we'll be drafting a week from today. I believe tomorrow on this show, they'll be revealing the draft order, um, which will be pretty exciting. But I am I'm I'm excited for it. This is the only fantasy football I do. It's the only fantasy football I've done since I was like a kid. Oh. So I'm real excited for it. And then for me, I do a lot of fantasy football. I know football. both of you guys are big fantasy football yeah. guys. And I don't know. I always have the conundrum when I draft about which school of thought to go with. Because there's two ways you can really approach a draft. You can try to just stack well, there's a there's a lot, okay, but okay. the two main ones for your roster and like where you draft people, you can try to stack as many running backs and wide receivers as possible, especially running backs because you can't trust them to stay healthy or get consistent points. Or you can try to get the best of the other positions and try to, you know, if nobody's taken a quarterback yet, steal Josh Allen or Mahomes. If nobody's taken a kicker yet, steal Justin Tucker and kind of set the motion of that. Steal Kelsey as a tight end, steal a defense. I've been successful with both of those 
you know, strategies, and I've also failed miserably with both of those strategies. So I'm still trying to figure out what the best way is. So far, I've done two fantasy drafts, and I've done one each way. I've stacked a bunch of running backs and receivers, including a 16th round Isaiah Pacheco pick. And then, Which will not be a 16th round. Yeah, it so ha- the, hasn't been in, like, money leagues, startup leagues for the last couple. Nowhere near that. He's, I mean, dude, like, Ronald Jones is going to get cut, too. I mean, I, I Pacheco's been, has so much hype for a rookie. It's pretty cool. He's probably going to be a first-round pick in the RSU draft. I just don't know who's going to take him. <laughs> uh, that's, that's yeah, what whatever his, like, average is, it's not going to be in our league. It's just going to be up. <laughs> Someone's going to pick Bo, Bo Melton, too. Yeah. Just, just for the fun of it. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm always conflicted about that. So I did one that way, and then there was another draft where I saw nobody's taking a quarterback. All right, I'll take Josh Allen. Nobody's taking a kicker. I'll take everybody's favorite opera-singing 66-yard field goal-kicking quarterback, uh, a kicker, uh, Justin Tucker. And then I, I forgot what defense I got. I think it was Buffalo. So I feel like I have the best at those positions, but I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make because, you know, kicker and defense, the point value isn't, necessarily as important sometimes there's not as much of a gap between a good kicker and a bad kicker versus a great running back who has a big day and some guy who gets two touches fumbles the ball and then leaves with like a cramp in the third quarter and you don't really know if you just you know don't have much depth with a running back so I don't know that's that's where I kind of get stuck with my fantasy but I am very much looking forward to the WRSU draft yeah I'm looking forward to it too big time I, I, I appreciate Jack organizing it, but Jack's not going to win. I already have my I have my team name set too. Oh yeah, that is your team name is pretty good. What is it? I haven't I haven't picked anything. It's yet for me. a famous quote from Ellis Gordon about the New York Mets. <laughs> daddy, daddy, notice me. Oh, <laughs> wait, you want to say that again? <laughs> daddy, daddy, notice oh, me. Yes. Okay. That is the, that is, That's what's up. Yes, that is what Ellis Gordon said about the Mets and Red Sox because they are the like the little brother or the son of the Yankees. Uh and I can't really argue that right now because I'm looking and Max Scherzer is losing to Domingo Herman. It's, it's not gonna, he's not going to lose. I need to come up with a name. Hey, he also said, Clay Holmes, best closer in the league. Is that going to be your fantasy team name? No, 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 With the sixth pick, Clay Holmes is the best closer in the league. No, 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 I think I think you and I are playing against each other in week one, Eddie, unless the unless that gets changed along with the draft order. I don't think that will get changed. Oh. All right, well... <laughs> and that, that that's uh, Eddie and I in week one. Oh, I yeah. I, that. I, actually, it is going to be fun because it's like all of us. That's yes. cool. That actually is cool. It's, it's, there's yeah, no, there's going to be a really lot of oh no, it actually is cool. Crew yeah. conversation from that. You know what? Now I'm curious I'm very to confident. see I'm what the uh, my my team name is Animal Style, like In and Out Burger. Uh, oh. And my I have a picture of a screaming wombat as my profile. <laughs> nice Animal Style. All right. I so, need to come up with a name. Yeah, so here's the matchups uh, during the first week of the season. It'll be Dottie Dottie Notice Me against Animal Style, and it's just a very weird combination. I think the two best names. Yeah, I think so. So far, so far, so far. Uh, then we've got Team Ellis against Piscataway Fox as Gideon and Ellis, who, by the way, shout out to both of them. I know there's going to be some audio at some point from basketball. They got to go to the uh, the film room with Steve Peichel today. And, oh, uh, yeah, I heard about that. That's that's really great. Yeah, Steve Peichel always does a great job uh, being transparent with the media. And those two that were both sitting there now, they get to face off in fantasy football in two weeks, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Dylan A. Team against uh, Mo. So Dylan Allen against Mo should be an interesting one. Uh, you face Jake Mystel week one. Great. Bring it on, Jake Mystel. <laughs> we go way back. That should be a good one. To 2021. Then we have, is this the New Brunswick Bartolo Colones? Yeah, uh, sure is. John Hartnett That's against good, Arnav. That's a good name. Uh, Very solid. Team Jack against Team McCoy. Visay and McCoy. Then we've Tartum got, boys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Coach Hahn. It's it's Coach actually, a good. It's actually it's a really good. Name. It's just like Brett. It's just Brett. And by the way, since this is the start of the season, it says O and O. So it's the full uh, name. O and O Coach Hahn <laughs> against another good name, the New York City Rats, uh, with That's, Christian yeah, and Christian. it's the. Uh, 
I, I, I'm probably going to get shamed for not knowing the name of it, but it's the raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Rocket? Rocket, Yeah, yes. that's a good one. Yes, that's his logo. I'm the only one who put a custom picture in. I might, I might. I, I will. Yeah, yeah no, no. Funny screaming We're doing that. For fantasy basketball for the last three years, my team has been named Boban's Boys, and I draft Boban Marjanovic with the last pick, and I just find the most eclectic photo of Boban Marjanovic on Google Images as my team logo. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, my team always Funny. starts well and then just completely falls apart. I also got stuck with Ben Simmons on like an auto draft a couple of years ago, and that <laughs> didn't go well. Um, I mean, if it was a couple pl- of years ago, he, if he played, it probably yeah, did, did really he well. play? That's yeah, but question. the league had too much of an incentive that if you missed shots, you'd lose points Ooh. the way they had the scoring system. Yeah, so. Ben Simmons not good with that. Ooh, yeah, um, ooh, awkward. Yeah, so that that didn't work. <laughs> got to know the rules. Yeah, so that is the. Week one matchups. Uh, so I am. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for actual football. I'm excited for it all. College football. Fall, college NFL. football. Good, uh, cool weather. Uh, Thanksgiving. Halloween. Uh, Halloween. Christmas. I'm excited for it all. Oh, yeah. Doug Willig. Wait, what? Well, he's not back. Uh, no. Shout out. Yeah. We, we should have gotten Doug Willig we to call into the crew. We still we could ask him next week. Yeah. We could ask him to do to do it next week. But uh, we've got about nine minutes left. Just seeing what else is happening in the sports world today. Uh, still, nope, now it's 2 nothing because uh, all rise, number 47 wow. for Aaron Judge. Ooh. That's, what's, the, what's the pace now? I don't know. He's behind Maris because Maris Ooh. hit his 50th on August 22nd. Well, I mean, but the Yankees was, have played a few fewer games than yeah, that season because of the kind week. of the, yeah. the different number of games. It's I think he's I think they're five games behind that, and he's three home runs behind that. And Oppo Taco. Yeah, he just went Oppo on Max Scherzer, and that was actually like a legitimate home run, oh, not yeah. just a Yankee Stadium home run. So, yeah, that was that's okay. That was not good for the Mets. So it's two nothing Yankees. A Scherzer loss will be his hundredth today, and a win will be his two hundredth. Wow. So wait, so he's one ninety nine. He's one ninety nine and ninety nine going into tonight, the start of the Subway Series. Nice. Let's see. I was at this point in summer crew. I always end up on ESPN.com, just trying to see if there's anything important that we've missed. Um, oh, Tom Brady put a video of him on a motorcycle today. He's back. Yeah, but he claims he was not on Masked Singer. That ah. was a rumor. That so I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, Dennis, you were the head of the entertainment department last year, so mm-hmm. you should know more. I, I, Do you I think actually, it's possible that Tom Brady was with Masked Singer? Uh, 50-50. I'll, I'll find out soon. Let's see. Oh, I'll, I'll find out soon and leak it on here. <laughs> Panthers uh, named Baker as their starting quarterback. I and, saw that. I uh, mean, it makes sense. And I of mean, course, as much as we love Sam Darnold, yeah. like Baker Mayfield, like. He's a confident starting quarterback. I, I hope he does well this year. And, of course, the NFL scheduled them against the Browns for week one. So Yeah. They're just so good at scheduling. I mean, nobody would usually want to watch a Panthers-Browns game on week one in the 1 o'clock slate, mm-hmm. but Baker Mayfield playing against his former team, and who knows who the Browns quarterback is going to be? It's Jacoby Brissett, right? It's Brissett. It's probably it's, – it, At this Jacoby point, there's no way – I will say Joshua Dobbs – is a ridiculously mobile quarterback. I was watching the preseason yeah, game yesterday. against the Eagles yesterday. Uh, and the Eagles couldn't tackle, so that was part of the problem. But but Joshua Dobbs was really good, so I wonder. And then and they've got the same thing with like uh, Broncos Seahawks Week One. Yep. Yeah, and then it also worked That's out with how football. long they suspended Deshaun Watson that his return will likely be Week Thirteen against the Texans. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that 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 is going to be an interesting one as well. Um, but Baker Mayfield, the starter for Carolina. Uh, let's talk a little about the Steelers because I, what do you think they're going to do here to start the season? I think it's going to start with Trubisky, but if he struggles, I think we could see Pickett probably transition in, and I don't think Mason Rudolph is going to be starting at all. Pickett's got hype in the preseason, and he's looked good. He has. He's looked good the past two weeks. So, honestly, I would – I don't know, man. I would just say give me Kenny Pickett right away. But if I, I, think if I was a Steel- he's gonna bring this team to like eleven and six. You think Trubisky's gonna play the whole year? Yeah, he's gonna Ooh, he's gonna I start out with a win at Cincinnati, and they're just gonna leave him in for the rest. Tell of the that year. to. Uh, that's my I'm, guy. I mean, I like Trubisky too, but yeah, I mean that's my guy. So that's think, my MVP. Well, 
uh, Kenny Pickett is the favorite for offensive rookie of the year. So tell that to the sports books. I I guess that's fair. Yeah, like honestly, I could see them putting in Pickett even week one or just saying, ah, you lost, Trubisky lost to Cincinnati week one, the team that's like one of the best in the AFC. We'll put in somebody else. <laughs> Here's what and I th- kind of yeah. let somebody else go through it. But I don't know. I, I feel like uh, Trubisky could do really well on this team. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, you look at what the Steelers did last year with the decaying husk of Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> <It's horrible. laughs> Mitch Trubisky is better than the decaying husk of Ben decaying husk of Ben Roethlisberger, and their defense is still going to be good. So that's the thing. I think so is Pickett, though. I think they're both better. That's than true as well. It, it's kind of the thing of like if if Pickett plays, like I think he has a higher variance, I guess, than Trubisky. Like I think Trubisky, like you put him in, he gets like somewhere between nine and eleven wins. Like wonder, it, it's something in that range. Oh, Steelers win total is seven and a half. They'll get over that. They uh, Mike, like Mike Tomlin has never finished Mike below five hundred. Never, never finished before five hundred. Yeah. He's an ultra consistent happen. head coach. Yes. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Kenny Pickett's debut is going to be October thirtieth against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen week one against the Bengals, but Trubisky's then got three easy opponents in a row. They play New England. They go to Cleveland without Deshaun Watson, and they play the Jets. Who New England's easy. Not Matt Patricia. Bad. Matt Patricia's calling plays. Matt Patricia's the offense, and Joe Judge. You're calling the offense. They weren't even so. that good. Last they weren't that year. good, but I think the Steelers they were are better. Than tough, that. I, dude. The Steelers can be like a big surprise team or a big letdown team. I could see it yeah. going either way. I th- I think they're going to start off well. I don't know what's going to happen week one against the Bengals. I, I think th- they probably lose week one against yeah. the Bengals. But I think the Bengals are going to be awesome. They won. Yeah, they could win the next three. And then Mm -hmm. people will be feeling okay about Trubisky. But then their next three games are at Buffalo, home against Tampa, and at Miami. And I think Trubisky's going to struggle against all three of those teams. Miami's being like how good the defenses are. Like Buffalo's known for the offense. The defense is fine. Buffalo's defense is good. It's really good. It's still not the offense. I still and I think Trubisky. Buffalo's offense is number one, but their defense is really. I think I think Trubisky could still play like mediocre in a loss against them. And same with Tampa Bay. It's like I think Trubisky could play mediocre in a loss. And honestly, Miami, I don't think is going to be very good. No, I don't. I agree. With yeah, you. I don't think they're going to be a great team, I but think I think they're. they're he and could I think get, their defense is going to totally fall off a cliff. I, I just don't think they're going to be good. Yeah, I th- I could see the Steelers get outplayed in all three of those games, though. And then I could imagine the that. argument then all of a sudden that the Steelers fan base will have is that Mitchell Trubisky can't play against good teams and can only beat bad teams, and then they'll feel pressured to. You know, the Battle of Pennsylvania. Put the pit guy in and have Kenny Pickett make his debut at Lincoln Financial Field. So. Or that's he, the trend. Or I he say. bowls out next week and is named the starter for week one. Yeah. Like that could also happen. Or Mason Rudolph blows everybody away. Or he just. <laughs> or they somehow put in Mason Rudolph. No, ain't no way. Or really like <laughs> Trubisky really struggles week one against the Bengals, and then just the fan base just outcries, and then they give in. That I'd could be, also happen. That's the thing. I'd be kind of honestly surprised. I feel like I, if I'm the Pittsburgh fan base. They all, dude. Think they're heavy on picking. How long it's been since they had a losing season? I would at least trust the process for this season and see what they could do. And honestly, like a bunch of teams like Trubisky, out of it, and I think he's honestly workable in a team like uh, Pittsburgh. So I don't know. I feel like they'll probably be fine for a while, and they're not going to want to force Kenny Pickett, especially as a rookie. And I do think people underestimate Trubisky a little bit. I I definitely think so. I mean, last time he started a game, it was in he, the playoffs. He, he, he was yeah. he was the MVP. That's yeah, my Nickelodeon, MVP. Yes. Yeah. I love the MVP. Him and Dak. He was my MVP. Him and Dak. Two, two Nickelodeon games and the losing quarterback has won I, I MVP like, both I times. I like the <laughs> trend that the losing quarterback wins MVP. I, I think, know. I think Trubisky was like I think there might have been a funnier option over Dak Prescott like I think I, I want to say Ezekiel Elliott played like awful that game or yeah. something and it would have been a little funnier but I think it's also very funny to have the, the just tradition of the losing quarterback winning MVP the funniest thing in the first Nickelodeon game was when Jimmy Graham scored a touchdown in the final seconds and the Bears amazing. already lost the game he left, but you've got he all the slime the everywhere <laughs> Jimmy Graham straight up just left the building after that he was gone he pulled an AB yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, not as not the as, game was over. Not as he was out of there. AB, but yeah. He was out. Yeah. 
Well, that'll just about do it. A uh, reminder, all episodes available on Spotify. You can go back, check out the men's soccer presser and women's soccer interview with Allison Lowry. Scott Einhorn's up next for Dennis Geisler and David Palumbo. I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off. You've been listening to the WRSU Crew Monday Summer Edition on 88.7 FM and streaming live at WRSU.org.